1: Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. We're with you for another week to talk about the Tampa Bay real estate market here on The Duncan Duo Show, like we are every Sunday at 10 o'clock. I'm Andrew Duncan of The Duncan Duo, and I am flying solo today talking about what's going on in the crazy real estate market that we have going on when we aren't on air. Please make sure to follow us on all of our socials at The Duncan Duo, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. TikTok, Snapchat, we're on all of them. So, so please do follow us. We're always putting out good, relevant real estate content. We actually have a couple of cool contests going on right now. We're giving away uh, tickets to the Fast and Furious movie for uh, past clients, people that bought and sold a home with us before. Movie comes out in uh, a little over three weeks, and if you haven't seen our billboards, we're obviously kind of memeing and mimicking uh, the characters from the movie. With our your home sold so fast, you won't be furious billboards. Um, we also have a Tampa Bay Lightning uh, Steven Stamco signed a Jersey giveaway going on as well on uh, a couple different social channels. So if you're interested in either one of those, go follow us again. It's at the Duncan Duo. So what I want to talk about first, whenever you have a competitive real estate market like this, it causes um a lot of anxiety a lot of tense situations because um, you know there's multiple offers and a lot of buyers um settling for a property that maybe isn't the right fit for them because ultimately they've looked and looked and looked and and they've looked to find something that that fits their needs and they're unsuccessful so they they pivot and 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 adapt a little bit and so what i want to talk about first today is a pivot that i'm seeing some first-time home buyers make um, that, that, it, that can be a very considerable mistake. And, and we have a lot of older properties here in Tampa Bay. If you look at, you know, Hyde park and Seminole Heights and some of our historic areas, um, you know, we have 40, 50, uh, in some instances, almost hundred year old homes, bungalows, old frame homes that are a target for, um, a lot of first time home buyers. They, they see the enticing price tag. It looks charming in the photos um and and it's in their budget and unfortunately we have a lot of customers that come to us a year or two later after buying that you know really old bungalow that looked charming in the photos and it has a plethora of problems it's got structural problems frame issues foundation issues uh sagging here termites and so i want to just start off by just you know kind of coaching first-time homebuyers out there um, that, that buying an older bungalow in a historic area is not for the faint of heart. Um, in my opinion, it's not a great property for a first time home buyer to bet to buy. It's a great property for, uh, especially if it needs work, it's a great property for someone that understands homeownership that has gone through homeownership before that has dealt with maintenance and repairs and understands what they're getting themselves into. But in a market as competitive as this, you're having buyers get caught up in the moment and they're just desperate to get a house and they're settling and, and first time home buyers buying these older bungalows ends up being a nightmare. So I want to give you some reasons why you, you as a first time home buyer should be very cautious about buying an older home. First and foremost, an older home is going to need more maintenance and it's going to need more repair. So your budget, uh, if you're tight on the numbers, if you you know didn't put that much money down, and your debt to income is in a certain place, there are going to be unpredictable variables with an older home that are uh, that are less unpredictable the newer the home gets because you've got newer electric systems, uh, newer hurricane prevention systems, and you know it, it, you know hurricane protection I guess you could say, with windows and different things with roof straps. So, so the older the home, the more likely stuff is to to fail, uh, to to not last, and and so especially, I mean, look, we've got hurricane season upon us, not not far off, and those are obviously homes that are not meant to sustain, uh, they're they're not up to the same kind of wind standards and codes as a newer home. So, first time homebuyers make these mistakes, and then they move into the house. And then they realize, oh my goodness, now I have this repair. Now I have that repair and it piles up. And fortunately, when the market's as hot as this, um, the appreciation kind of offsets some of that cost and people can refinance to recoup or they don't really get in this tough of a situation. But real estate markets shift. You never know how long you're going to be in that house and when the real estate market could shift in the other direction and you're stuck with a declining property value with high repair bills. So the, you know, the, it's just something you have to pay attention to as a first time home buyer. It's for a lot of people, it's a mistake to buy an older frame bungalow. They look really cute on Instagram and Pinterest. Um, you know, HGTV makes them look really charming, but they don't show you all the pitfalls of ownership when it comes to the maintenance, the cost and the repairs associated with those properties. The second reason why older homes are a, um, you know, a Uh, not a great property for first time home buyers, insurance costs, an older property. Again, like I said before, isn't going to be able to sustain the same wind, uh, mile per hour ratings. So insurance is going to be higher because of hurricanes. Insurance is going to be higher because of the plumbing and potential greater chance for leaks. Insurance is going to be higher if it's got older electric for the greater chance of a fire. So your insurance costs, in addition to your repair costs, are going to be higher. So so you have to prepare and predict. And and here's the other thing. Insurance prices almost always go up. So the likelihood of your insurance costs on an older home ever going down is slim because the older it gets, the more risky it gets. And and the the more carriers reevaluate and decide they've had too many claims and they want to cut out some of the things that are the most risky. And what do they first cut out? Risky properties, a.k.a older properties in coastal areas, which we are. So insurance is an obstacle, uh, that, that goes up that is higher than, than a non, uh, you know, older home. Um, but also goes up at greater clips. Uh, the, the third reason why, um, you know, the third of the, of the four reasons why a first time home buyer should avoid an older bungalow type property is related to the utility costs, utility costs, mainly like electric, Um, even water in some instances, uh, they're just going to be higher. The home isn't insulated as well. Um, It it doesn't have the same kind of ducting setup. It it can't, the insulation can't be as uh, properly done as a newer home. So from the get-go, you're going to pay higher costs on uh, that house. I remember a few years back, and I don't have current data on this, but I, I looked at foreclosure rates and foreclosure rates are clearly higher the older the property gets because those expenses, those increases in utilities, they go from a apartment to a bungalow house and their electric bill doubles or triples. Those are things they don't prepare for and it causes them to make bad financial decisions, whether it's you know tapping out equity to cover utility bills or uh, simply uh, just getting in too far over their head or if there's an income drop or a job loss, not being able to sustain. So those things really are a crux for first time homebuyers when buying um a bungalow and the uh the, the fourth reason why uh, bungalows and older properties especially the ones in historic districts can be challenging for first-time homebuyers is the first time homebuyer goes from living in an apartment or living with mom and dad or living in a rental to now being completely responsible for for everything to do with this home and in historic districts not only do you have to worry about maintaining the home but you have to maintain it to a certain standard or it may not be approved, or you could cause problems with either the city, the county, or the the local homeowners association. There are typically um, guidelines and statutes in place that protect uh, historic homes to continue to look a certain way. So if you, you may want to change windows, and it may not meet architectural guidelines, or you may want to do certain things to the house, and there's an extra layer that you have to go through to be able to do those things. And whenever there's an extra layer, guess what that means? There's an extra cost you're going to have to pay you're going to have to pay more or pay someone to okay it you're you're going to have to pay to permit something to make it approved you know from that perspective so so again to, to kind of summarize you know buying first time home buyers buying older homes especially in a competitive market where buyers are just settling because they kind of have to they're more expensive on utilities they're more expensive on insurance they're more expensive on maintenance and you, you struggle with extra hoops to jump through with improving or repairing the property that you don't have. And I, I have spoke on the show about this so many times, but I can't recommend um, you know enough to first time home buyers to buy new construction. New construction is kind of the, the stepping stone to you know the next phase of maybe a fixer upper or, or an older home that needs work. If you're a first time home buyer, new construction is going to be cheaper on, Uh, maintenance it's going to be cheaper on insurance it's going to be cheaper on utilities and you're not going to have to jump through a lot of those historic hoops and and frankly should give you more peace of mind um you know tampa bay has been very fortunate that we've not had a direct hit from a storm in a long time um but it'll happen someday and you're a whole lot safer. Your family's a whole lot safer in a newer property than they are in an older bungalow. They just don't have the wind rating in terms of the, the way they're structured, the pitches in the roof, uh, you know, frame versus block for all of those reasons. Um, you know, I, I strongly caution against first time home buyers buying older homes and specifically older bungalows in Tampa Bay. And I see it happen way too much and it backfires, but you know, buyers are upset, they're unhappy, and it isn't long before they're either selling the home or they're getting into a rough spot all because they settled. And look, I, I know the market's competitive. I know there has to be some massaging of your preferences for the home that you want. Um, but that's one of those things where, you know, I probably wouldn't waver on in terms of loosening your criteria to be able to get a home in a competitive market. Let an experienced homeowner that's lived in those type of properties before, or an investor that can go in and renovate it, or uh, somebody that wants to rent it out, you know let someone else um you know handle that first time home buyers because again, through fifteen years and thousands of real estate transactions, uh, I, I mean, I can't count the number of times we've had these situations where uh, buyers have come back and really regretted um, you know green lighting and moving forward the purchase on an older property because of all of these things. There's a lot of other reasons, but those are really the main ones. You know, the, 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 the costs, the unpredictability of the cost too. That's one thing that's really nice about newer homes is that because they're so efficiently built, um, you know, the predictability of some of those utility costs, you know, whether it's, you know, hot or cold or cool, the the predictability and the the lower costs are just something you can plan on and budget on when you're in a bungalow that some of those things really fluctuate. Imagine getting hit with some drastic insurance increase or, you know, the the, you know, your AC overworks itself in the, in the summer. So again, Best opportunity for first time home buyers is looking at newer homes, newer construction. And certainly if you have to sacrifice and buy a home that's a little bit older, okay, I get it. But stay away from the hundred year old bungalows built in the twenties and in the Heights and in Hyde Park. It's just not, it's just not the place for uh buyers that are they're, that you know forging down their first venture into home ownership. So again, we're going to continue this conversation, we're going to keep talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. Uh as I've talked about so many times on the show the last few months, probably the hottest real estate market, I don't mean my temperature, the most competitive real estate market for home sales that we've ever seen. Homes getting 20, 30, 40 offers uh, going above asking price, um, selling very fast, less than, less than 20 days of inventory on the market. Meaning that if no other homes got listed, it would only take 20 days to sell all the existing inventory Uh, record low. Uh, it's never been this low. So home sellers, what does that mean for your home prep? You're thinking about putting your house on the market. What do you want to do to it before you put it on the market? Now, In years past, um, we would always give clients advice about the things that they need to do to prepare, the lipstick, so to speak, the, the money that they would spend on getting the home ready to increase its chances of sale, as well as increase the net price. There's never been a time like this where it's been this competitive, where we've started to err on the side of, you don't need to do anything to your house. You can put it on the market as it sits. So when you hear that from your real estate agent, a lot of sellers that have sold a lot of properties before they're kind of taken aback because they think, Oh, well, aren't I supposed to get the home ready for sale and do all these things? And yes, but you don't have to do as many of them, um, simply because the inventory is so light. N- no different than, you know, a product that's in demand at Walmart or, or um, you know, s- stuff that's for sale right before Christmas that has you know people running to the shelves. Um, you know, there there's things that have to be done, and then there's things that we would generally recommend. Um, And and there's still going to be things that will say, hey, look, you have to do these things, but these things are optional. Whereas maybe a year or two years ago, they weren't optional. So there's never been a time that's more convenient to sell a home that may need a few things done to it, that may need some lipstick, that may need some paint. Now you have to make sure to tackle the big things. So like roof and AC, those things generally are better to take care of. But again, there's still plenty of buyers for every product out there. So if you don't feel like waiting a few months to get some of this stuff done and you just want to sell your home and move on. Um, there's certainly no problem with that. So, and it especially makes sense for people that are moving up, they're selling their home and, and buying another, and that's, that's more expensive. And let me explain why. So let's say you're someone that's in Um, a $300,000 house, okay? And you're going to buy a $500,000 house and your $300,000 home may need a few things, uh, may need some, you know, just touch-ups and cosmetics. Let's just call it uh, $5,000 in work. There's a labor shortage right now, okay? The $5,000 in work is going to take a month to get done, okay? And you think, okay, well, in the time that the month happened, my price went up because prices are rising and and you're correct. However, the time that your 500,000 house went up offset and increased potentially at a greater clip than the cost of your repairs. So in some instances right now, people that are selling their home and moving up to a higher priced home, are actually losing money because homes are appreciating so fast by delaying their home going on the market to work on minor repairs that aren't necessary to get their home sold today. So the 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 way that you might have sold real estate before, or the steps you might have taken in the past, throw them out the window. They don't make sense, especially for move-up buyers, if they're things that aren't going to cause a problem with financing. Now, there are things that you have to do. But the list of the kind of maybes or the recommendations that we used to provide and a lot of instances now are getting thrown out the window simply because it doesn't make sense for the client to spend the money and the money that they spend is gone. And now they think they're going to get more for their house and maybe they will, but not more than the appreciation that's going to happen on the higher priced home that they want to buy. So now more than ever, if you have a home and you don't feel like you just want to rip the band-aid off, get it sold, get it on the market, move on. Now more than ever, it's probably the best time to ever sell a home to where you don't have to do as much. You don't have to have it look the best in the neighborhood. You don't have to repaint everything. You don't have to put in new flooring or update the appliances. You can sell it as is and likely do just as well financially as if you spent the money, the time and the energy, simply because how long it's taking labor to get stuff done the increase on supplies and materials and then the appreciation that's happening on the other side of the home you're going to buy so so throw out the conventional wisdom of fix your home up before you sell it and just get it on the market um that's going to be the the best advice right now in a market like this uh people aren't factoring in the math they're saying oh well, i'm going to make five thousand dollars more on selling my home but if the house that they're going to buy went up ten grand in that time they they lost money and that's what's happening a lot so Get the house on the market. Give us a call. We'd love to help. DuncanDuo.com. Um, you know, we can we can get you an instant cash offer for the house, or put it on the market. Let everybody you know feast on it and get you the highest offer on the market available. So I'm going to be back after a quick break. We're going to talk about some real estate stats after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. When we aren't on air, always make sure to follow us on all of our socials. We got some cool contests and giveaway. Stephen Stamco signed jersey, some movie tickets to Fast and Furious. You got to make sure to follow us at The Duncan Duo, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok, you name it, we're on it and follow us. So, um, VA loans are a topic that still amazes me today how many veterans and soldiers aren't aware of them, but also how many real estate agents aren't aware of their benefits. And and some of the unique things the VA loan offers that make it more enticing. Now we train our people on this and we talk about it all the time simply because um we're in a military market. We're a you know, we're a block, you know, we're a block north of McDill Air Force Base, you know. So we we deal with a lot of PCS, a lot of military soldiers moving in and out. So we're very familiar with it, but there's some things that I think are important for you as a listener to know about VA loans. First off, if you qualify for a VA loan, um, you should take advantage of it. Uh, One of the greatest parts of a VA loan is no down payment. You can literally buy a home.
0: It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?
1: with absolutely no money out of your pocket and finance everything there are very few loan products that allow you to do that and you you can buy it you know in, in all honesty you can buy a pretty expensive home in tampa bay with a va loan and still go with no money down so it doesn't you know i mean you're not buying a multi-million dollar house with a va loan but but you can buy above well above double plus our average prices in tampa on, you know, with a VA loan product. The other thing that people forget about the VA loan, the soldiers forget, um, it's not offered by everybody. So sometimes you may bank at a place and they want you to, you know, go there for your loan and you got to put 20% down and, you know, you gotta, you gotta do, go through all these steps and they may not offer you the VA loan because they don't have it. it. It's not a product they sell. So a VA loan, you need to obviously make sure that if you qualify and how you know if you qualify is you served in the military, um, you know, honorably discharged and have a DD 214 and, uh, uh, you know, or I, I discharged with a DD 214. I'm not sure on the, whether or not honorably is required, but I know you have to have a DD 214 to, to qualify. So, um, that you know, if you served in the military, you're active duty, you're in the guard, you're in the reserve, uh, any of those things, it doesn't matter if you served long, long time ago, any of the branches of the military, you qualify, uh, you know, for the VA loan. The other thing about the VA loan is more lenient loan requirements. Now, when sellers hear the more lenient loan requirements, the first thing they think is, oh, that means that the borrower isn't as qualified and I need to be more worried about them. Um, and, and it's really not the case. However, um, uh, a lower credit score is allowed and, and for a VA loan. And a lot of the reason for that is because a lot of soldiers don't have the ability to build up as much credit. They might go over and fight for a year. They haven't opened up credit cards and, and got car loans. So there's flexibility on their credit score, not because they're expected to have bad credit, um, and sometimes they do, but but it's but it's more because to factor in the service and sacrifice they're making for our country that that prohibits them from you know incurring good debt and paying that debt off simply because you know they're not racking up credit card bills on the desert in Afghanistan. So the reality is that it's a the, the lenient loan requirements are for the borrower. It doesn't mean the borrower is less qualified. However, the debt-to-income ratio, a little bit more flexible. Simply because a lot of soldiers have housing stipends and, and the way that their income is reported is a little bit differently. But, less the, but, but one major reason, the appraisal process for a VA loan um, is, is one of the best out there, uh, comparing it to like an FHA or even a conventional. Because you have a little bit more communication from the appraiser to try and justify a value. So a seller, for example, could look at a VA loan or a conventional or an FHA loan and say, oh, I want to go with conventional because they're putting more money down. But in many instances, that VA loan may have a greater chance at closing simply because of the flexibility with um, the the borrower and the flexibility with the appraisal process. One other major benefit, uh, VA loan, no mortgage insurance. Okay, most conventional buyers have to pay private mortgage insurance if they put less than 20% down. So a soldier could walk into a brick and mortar bank and be told, "Hey, you need to do this conventional loan and not have any idea that they could have bought with no money down and avoided uh, you know, private, you know, private mortgage insurance. It that that's really important. It's a it's a sunk cost. It's it's just there if you if you don't put it down. PMI can run you know, a few hundred dollars a month in some instances, depending on the price point. So, not having to pay that is is is, is definitely a, a bonus. Then, um, you know, veterans, uh, you know, closing costs can be reduced. Um, like, you know, so so the the veteran comes out of pocket less. Then, uh, extra assistance with appraisals. Like I said, there's a lot more communication between the VA appraiser, the brokers. To, to, to come up with a value whenever something is, um, n- you know, kind of short or not looking right, you get a couple of days to supply additional information to allow a deal to go through. And in a market where prices are rising, it's tense, a super competitive market, that extra ability for the agent to be able to reach out and provide that information instead of the appraisal just getting sent out and, and stamped is a major bonus because it, it, again, it allows the deal sometimes to stay together. So VA loans for both buyers and sellers are an incredible loan product. Um, and, and, and I think just naturally it's a way for you to pay it forward when you're working with, uh, someone that served our country. Um, you know, I've sold homes, investment properties, homes I've owned before where I've had competitive offers and I've gone with the one that, um, you know, was a VA loan simply because, Um, you know, I I felt, uh, you know, felt an obligation. I felt grateful for their service. And it was my opportunity to kind of pay it forward for their sacrifice. And so when you're comparing those things, I do think that that, um, you know, makes it makes a major difference. So again, you're listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show here on uh, 970, um, you know, talking about uh, home selling and how fast they're selling. And and I mentioned, um, you know, earlier in the show about how we have 0.7 months of inventory well tampa bay our market is super competitive but you know what it's not even one of the top 10 most competitive in the country right now what i found interesting though is the majority of the uh you know the competitive markets are almost all kind of smaller towns uh there, there's been a migration during covid more and more people are wanting to move to suburbs to rural areas to country areas we've gone through this really divisive time so if you're living in florida and you're thinking about leaving you're like the one person thinking about leaving because we're not seeing anyone leave right now with our population growth but i want to touch on a few areas of the country in case maybe you own property in one of these areas or you've thought about it these are the homes where homes are selling the fastest in the country right now and tampa is still in the top 25 but but the top 10 are Ogden Utah, Manchester New Hampshire, Colorado Springs, Reno, Vallejo California, Columbus Ohio, Elkhart Indiana, Austin Texas the only major um the only major you know really major market i think in that list topeka kansas and rochester new york the interesting thing about austin um having friends that uh, sell real estate in austin a lot of migration to austin from uh los angeles right now so you're seeing a lot of people say i don't want to pay these taxes and i don't want to live in you know this political climate so um you know so again you're seeing this migration from California to Texas, and that's really pushing homes to sell in like a week. You know, we're still seeing homes take, in some instances, a few weeks. We still have plenty that sell in a week, but there are the averages a week. Here are the averages a few weeks. So um, definitely still very low on inventory and, and, um, you know, a challenging real estate market from that standpoint. One news thing that is coming up that could potentially um, bring us some inventory um, a lot of the eviction moratorium that went into place during COVID right now is expiring in June. What that basically means is landlords have had tenants living in their properties for more than a year now that they've not been able to evict. Um, and, and a lot of those landlords are probably put out. They're tired of being a landlord. They maybe probably don't want to rent their house again. So, in a lot of areas of the country, there's been there's been homes that could have gone for sale when a landlord evicts a tenant decides to sell it uh, that can't be sold right now. So, I I'm, I'm hopeful that when that expires, and look, I'm not I'm not against tenants. I'm not rooting for people to get evicted. I'm simply looking at it from an inventory supply and demand perspective, not a personal situation. Uh, people have hit rough patches. You know, hopefully, they you know get out there and and figure it out. But the reality is, is this moratorium that's been around for a really long time is going to go away. And I think it's going to create some inventory. And the reason I think it's going to create some inventory is because of how long it's lasted. A lot of these landlords are going to say, you know what? I don't, I don't want to go through this again. I don't, I don't want to sit on this house for another year and not have income. Prices have risen so much. I'm ready to sell it. So there have been numerous legal challenges. Um you know, to the CDC's moratorium um and and it's it's kind of been fought back and forth. and I think there's a lot of expectation that it is gonna go away in in June, uh, which means again that that a lot of those people will get evicted. and um starting July, August, September, we'll start to see uh, some of those homes hit the market. So buyers, if you've been, Striking out, hang, hang in a little while longer. Okay, reinforcements are coming. Eleven million potential properties, obviously not all of those throughout the country are going to hit the market. Some of them are from, you know, landlords that are going to keep them and keep keep renting them, find new tenants, that sort of thing. But there are a lot of scenarios where there is going to be inventory available for sale because landlords are finally able to get tenants out of them and then clean them up and get them for sale. So. Uh, buyers that have been frustrated, missing out, you know, making offers, not getting them because the inventory is so tight. Hopefully this will bring some much needed inventory to balance out our real estate market and and not have it be such a uh, drastic seller's market. So, so again, you're listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show uh, here on 970. I've, I've talked so far about VA loans. Um, I talked about, um, you know, first time home buyer advice, not buying older bungalows. And then I uh, just you know was was touching briefly on uh, the idea behind evictions and how that could uh, how the moratorium being lifted could bring us some inventory and help you know stabilize the market a little bit. It isn't gonna change it to a buyer's market. It isn't gonna make any drastic moves, but it could give us a li- enough inventory to where more buyers can 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 get the home that they need. So I'm gonna be back after a quick break here on the other side. I'm gonna wrap up the last segment of the Duncan Duo show after a quick break here on 970. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo show on WFLA talking about material costs driving up home prices. Look, I think it's common knowledge uh you know, anyone that's paid attention to the real estate market at all knows that home prices are rising at a dramatic pace. And there are a whole myriad of reasons for this. Low interest rates in Florida specifically people not leaving and more people coming. So it, you know, puts an imbalance in the supply and demand curve. Um, you, have also got, um, you know, a, uh, a period of time where people have been stuck in their homes. So now they're ready to take action and, 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 you know, stuck in their apartments, they're ready to buy. You have all these things contributing to it, but there, but there's a hidden, a hidden gem here, I guess you could say, Uh, And, and the, 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 the juxta that is our real estate market material costs have been rising. And so people might say, well, why do rising material costs affect my 1980 home? Because that's only affecting new homes. But but the issue is that when the prices for new homes go up, they're in subdivisions or neighborhoods that back up against homes that are built in the 80s. And then they become comparables w- with an adjustment, of course, because they're not worth the same as an older home. But they become comparables. And when they become comparables, the increased cost of those new construction homes pulls up the value of the older homes um, you know, you know, proportionately. So, so whenever you have the cost of new construction homes going up because the materials are going up, it trickles down into the rest of the real estate market. Um, the other reason it it does is because there's a large portion of our sales in Tampa Bay that are bought by people that renovate the home to resell it. And what happens? They want to make a, they want to make their margin. So when material costs go up, what's that mean? They're going to ask more for the house. So not only is there appreciation happening because, again, low inventory, high demand, uh, high population growth, low interest rates. Um, Tom Brady. I, I'm going to give Tom some credit here. You know, touchdown Tommy. It's Champa Bay. Winning sports teams. It brings people here. But the increase of cost for materials because of the trickle-down effect. So lumber goes up. Wire, aluminum there's shortages there, you know, so what happens when there's a shortage of something, the vendors for those products raise the prices. Um, and, and what happens when stuff gets sold out and inventory is depleted and there's less inventory available, people are willing to bid and pay more for, um, you know, those materials. So as materials rise, it does have a trickle down effect. So we're really kind of in this perfect storm where all of these things um, are, are pushing, uh, home values up. And on top of all that, most economic indicators, inflation is, is happening. So there's all the other things that go into, uh, the construction of a home, repairs of a home, the operation of a home, they're getting more expensive. And again, um, th- that all trickles down or up, I guess you could say to increased home values. I get asked all the time, how long is this going to last? How long is the real estate market going to stay this high? And look, there's never really any perfect answer for this. Um, you know, as as far as any kind of quick movement, it's going to be a long time. When I say a long time, I mean years before prices go back the other direction in lieu of natural disaster, stock market collapse, um, attack on our country. those types of things, obviously, those are unpredictable variables. Just the predictable variables, knowing that um, there's such a lack of supply, uh, an increase in material costs and low interest rates, just those things alone are going to keep homes in lieu of one of those other things I just mentioned not happening. It's going to keep homes rising for the next few years. And then for it to get back to this point, they would have to decrease for a few years. For real estate values, to go down, you have to have an imbalance of the supply and demand curve. You have to have way more homes for sale than you do buyers. So for example, um, we have 0.7 months of inventory right now, 0.7, okay? We, when the market crashed, okay? Back, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, over a decade ago, well over a decade ago, 20X, we had 20 times more available homes than we have right now. So imagine how many homes have to be created and how many people have to decide to sell their homes to get to a point where we have even 10 X, 10 multiple of the inventory we have right now, because that's what it'll take for prices to go down and homes just don't pop up and get built overnight. People don't just decide to sell in mass overnight. It's a long process. We are not the stock market in the real estate world. We don't, we're, we're not game stock and you know, Bitcoin. We don't have these huge fluctuations on a daily basis. Real estate is slow and steady. It's either rising slow or declining slow and, or staying steady. And right now the rise is just going to keep going for a while because of all these variables in lieu of, like I mentioned, any of those you know, major catastrophic events. And then for it to go back the other direction, it'll take some, t- some years in that direction. There's just way too little inventory for prices to drop anytime soon. So if you're someone that says, you know, well, I'm just going to wait till the market, you know, happens, well, pack it up for the next six, seven years. Cause you're going to be waiting a while. It just, unless, uh, some sort of natural disaster type thing, there's just so little supply of homes that, that, Even if economic indicators turned, the low supply would still continue to hold value strong. So, hope this has been helpful for you on uh, advice and things are going on in the real estate market. We'll be back next Sunday here on WFLA. Have an awesome rest of your Sunday, and go Bolts. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to – has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. (gasps)